With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ben Charrington is not Neil Huntington. Repeat after me, Pirates fans. Ben Charrington is not Neil Huntington. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. On that very happy note, I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports and this, the newly reborn DK Sports Radio Podcasting Network. Ben Charrington has had a plan from the moment he began interviewing to become the Pirates GM, never mind now that he's been on the job for almost exactly a year. The guy has a vision. The guy knows what he wants to do, how he wants to do it, and he has confidence in his plan and his processes. I can't say enough for that alone. Can we judge the guy? No, absolutely not. Certainly not on 60 games of the 2020 season with him using almost entirely Neil Huntington's players. That would be unfair to the extreme. What we can judge him by are the moves that he makes, how he makes them, and why he makes them. Yesterday, the Pirates participated, as all teams do, in the Rule 5 draft. And it's very rare that a significant headline emerges from that thing. And that was the case here as well. The Pirates had the number one overall pick in the Rule 5 draft, and it's a 22-year-old right-handed pitcher named Jose Soriano. Before this past season, he was ranked the 12th best prospect in the Anaheim Angels system. This is, if you get lucky, the kind of player you can get in a Rule 5. Someone who maybe didn't perform up to capabilities or got hurt and so forth. And and that was the case with Soriano. He has all kinds of upside, but he also had Tommy John surgery in February. It's going to take him a while to come back. The Pirates technically, because of his surgery and his rehab time, don't have to carry him on an active roster. So there's a benefit in that regard. But I love the fact that the Pirates and Charrington and his staff went this route. They went off of what would be the beaten path. They didn't say, who's a Rule 5 guy who can help us right away, and we'll see if he makes a team out of Bradenton. And if he doesn't, well, that's it. We tried. It was worth the gamble, which is what almost every team does with the Rule 5. And that's what the Pirates had done under Huntington 
and Kyle Stark for years. Rule 5 was just, whatever, we did it, we took a shot, didn't work, see you, kid. That's not what this is. That's not what this is. But Before I go further into that, Charrington wasn't done. He paid the New York Mets. Cash considerations is how they describe that, but it's just a payment. They never give out the dollar figure. For the Mets to trade to the Pirates their pick in the Rule 5 draft, and that ended up being another right-handed pitcher, Luis Oviedo. And here again with Oviedo, he's 21 years old. He had a 5.38 ERA in Class A. And if you're one of those people who just calls the talk shows to complain about Bob Nutting, that's all you're going to see and it's all you're going to say. Oh, they got another crappy pitcher. Wake me up when they get somebody good or whatever. You know, that kind of stuff. If you're paying attention to how lower revenue baseball teams actually win, this is how. Now, Oviedo will come into Bradenton with the mandate that the Pirates have to keep him on the active roster. But you know what? Maybe they will. Maybe they will. If he comes in and shows the kind of stuff that Charrington and his Latin American scouts saw from Oviedo down in Venezuela, which, by the way, is now very much underscouted because of the government versus the drug cartels turmoil down there. A lot of Major League Baseball teams have completely pulled out of operations. The Pirates have not. The Pirates have always had a presence in Venezuela, a scout named Orlando Covo, who's always looking. And they laid eyes on Oviedo and really liked what they saw. His health issues that he'd had recently were a thing of the past. He was blowing the ball past people. Uh, this is the kind of flyer that you take. This is legit. This isn't somebody that you're hoping can help the 2021 Pirates. If he's on the 2021 Pirates, nice. You hope that he doesn't kill your team when he takes the mound. But you're looking to bring talent into the system by whatever means there are. Charrington could have taken the lazy approach with the Rule 5 draft and said, you know what, I've got the number one overall pick. I'm going to take uh, this guy right here because I can put him in my bullpen. It's almost always a bullpen guy that has the best chance to stick. I can put him right in my bullpen. He'll be better than, hmm, he'll be better than Neverowskis was. So it'll be an upgrade on that. We won't pay much for him. And it's all good. Charrington didn't do that. He looked at the Rule 5 draft as an opportunity. Not just to do the one thing, but to add legit high ceiling talent into the system. I am not, for clarity's sake here, suggesting that either of these two players are going to be the turnaround point for the Pittsburgh Baseball Club. It's not going to happen like that their chances of making it are as thin as 
every baseball player's baseball prospect's chances are of making it. That's just the way it is. But the way to address that is through quantity and quality. And if you go back to Charrington's first significant move, moving Starling Marte out after Marte had demanded to be traded, and he picked up two significant instant top 10 prospects from the Diamondbacks in return. Are they going to match Starling Marte? Who knows? We don't know. Probably not. I'm guessing it won't work out that way. But I'm not guessing when I say that this is how you do it. You keep bringing in talent like this. You have them flood the system. You have those prospects competing against each other for roles, for jobs within the Altoona rotation or the Indianapolis rotation. They make each other better as opposed to what's going on and what's been going on in the Pirates minor league system for more than a decade now. This, this is how you do it. And wouldn't that be something, huh? Wouldn't that be something if the Pirates really do have a smart, focused, committed, and at the same time, independent thinking general manager? So far, the signs are good. When we come back, stuff that didn't happen at the winter meetings. Much as I liked Ben Charrington's moves in the Rule 5 draft, he didn't do anything else, at least not that was out there in plain sight. The closest anything came to even popping up to the surface was a report from John Heyman, who has his information fed to him. I've known this for years, directly from Scott Boris, the agent and his corporation that the Pirates were exploring trades for Joe Musgrove and or Adam Frazier. Again, neither of those would be much of a surprise. Really, there's not that many players on Charrington's roster where your eyes would pop if you were to hear their names in these kinds of conversations. He has to listen on everybody and... At the same time, the other 29 general managers know that he'd be willing to listen because he'd be nuts not to. Because this current group, as they just painfully illustrated for us over a two-month span this summer, isn't about to take the Pirates to the promised land. So you have to start looking at them as assets or potential assets. What can you get for them? How long do you wait to move them? What's the right time? Uh, Do you have to wait for maximum value for them to illustrate maximum value? Or do you just say, hey, listen, this team right now is making me a really good offer, and I can sit here and hold on and hope that Josh Bell hits 20 homers in May again, or whatever that was, 
and that's when I'll move him because I'll have more of a marketer. Do you just say, you know what, this actually fits. This works for what we need. These are top-end prospects. This is what we're looking to do. Charrington's open-minded to that, um, and I can say that with great confidence, uh, A, from speaking with a man, and B, because he's open-minded about everything. When you hear him talk, this is going to drive some people nuts uh, as they listen to him, whether it's on the, the Sunday radio shows that the flagship station does or in interview sessions with reporters like me. Uh, you're going to hear him. It's going to sound like waffling. It's going to sound like he's trying to avoid giving you an answer, which is a lot of what Neil Huntington did do. Uh, this, this, this guy's different. If he's hemming and hawing and hesitating, chances are really, really good that he genuinely hasn't made up his mind yet. And that's how he approaches almost everything. I have heard him on occasion in direct conversations we've had just between the two of us take a really sharp stance on a couple of things. And every time it's happened, I get thrown back a little bit like, whoa, hang on, who possessed you for three seconds there? What was that all about? Because I'm used to him not having his mind made up. So understand this, when Ben Charrington makes a move of any kind, large or small, he's making it based on an awful lot of information that he's processed, a lot of input that he's processed. That's something else that Huntington did just terribly, especially by the end when he had just hunkered down between him and Stark and didn't listen to any of his advisors or any of his people. Charrington's virtually begging his people around him on a daily basis for information, for input, for analysis, for study, for imagination. Think about this. Think about that. That's the kind of culture that he wants to create there. He doesn't want to be the only smart guy in the room. He wants there to be lots of smart people around him and to hear what they have to say. What will that mean for a trade this offseason? I wouldn't be surprised based on the proliferation uh, of reports that have had the word pirates in them over the past few days if Ben doesn't have another move in him. But I know that he's not, and I know this for a fact, he's not actively, aggressively shopping anyone. Some GMs just say that. This one means it because he has no reason to. He really doesn't. If he holds on to the same players that he had in 2020, and maybe he wants to see, like I was saying, other guys bounce back and you know what this whole roster after the way they performed this past season they've all got room for significant bounce backs so he can just hang on to them you know in theory he's going to have a six-month full regular season ahead of him he's going to have a trade deadline that won't just show up four weeks after the opener the way this one did in 2020 He's going to have time to build up 
emotions from other GMs about looking at what Pittsburgh has and saying, oh, look at that guy. I really want that guy. That player could help us. Emotions make a difference. Because GMs will get caught up in a player and we really, really want that guy. And the scouts are telling them we really, really need that guy. And they'll do something that they might not otherwise do. And they'll throw in a prospect that they might not otherwise throw in. So Charrington's got nothing to lose. He's going to sit back, let it play out, answer the phone, listen to his people, keep working. When we come back, just one question. At Point Park University in the heart of downtown Pittsburgh, they understand there's no substitute for real-world experience and career-building connections. Their innovative curriculum engages students with distinctive experiential learning opportunities. Point Park's pioneering co-op program empowers qualified students to work in full-time, paid positions with their corporate partners while earning college credits. Visit pointpark.edu works to learn more. Career ready. That's the point. Point Park University. Welcome back. It's time for Just One Question, and that's brought to you by our friends at both Mike's Beer Bar and North Shore Tavern. These are sister companion restaurants right there on Federal Street across from the Pirates' headquarters at PNC Park. Mike Sukic is the owner of both. He built them both. He was in there working on both places with his bare hands. Helped develop the menu. Is right there to greet you at the door when you show up. This is a tough time for small businesses. It's a tough time for people like Mike all across our region. Support them. Support them. The big boxes, the national retailers, they'll find a way. They'll get by. They'll get by. Nobody's ordering them to close. But people like Mike and businesses like the two that he's proudly built on his own, they need our help. They need our help. Mike's Beer Bar can be found online at mikesbeerbar.com. Once you've found the directions and the hours for one, you've also found them for the other. Well worth your trip. I'll actually be there myself later today. Today's Just One Question comes from Adam Blake, who asks, I have my own idea in mind, but how long do you think we should be giving this new management team before judging how they're doing? Last year was embarrassing, but that's certainly not on the GM. One more season plus offseason? Adam, it depends on what you're looking for. If you're going to be looking for results in 2021 and you pin those on Charrington, with all due respect, you're not paying attention. You're not heeding the signs that are there in front of you regardless of what you actually hear coming from the Pirates' mouths. They're looking 
to build up prospects. They're looking to build up a powerful minor league system in which players are competing with each other, getting better by competing against each other for jobs and roles and prominence and prospect rankings and all that stuff that matters to baseball people. When that's going on, you've got the beginning of something very, very, very good. In Pittsburgh, the team that will take the field for the opener in 2021 might have, and I'm underscoring might, two or three players, I really believe this, two or three players, maybe four, who will be part of a winning team in Pittsburgh. I know that's not, you know, the populist thing to say. It's not what anybody wants to hear. And everyone thinks that if they would only go out and sign a couple of free agents, everything would be fine. No, it absolutely would not. Because the depth wouldn't be there. The talent wouldn't be there if people failed in performance or failed in health. You wouldn't have anything significant. You'd be the Cincinnati Reds. And that I say with very little respect. The Reds do this, oh, every three or four years, I think, is what their lunar cycle is or their lunacy cycle, where they just lose their minds and like to pretend for a winter that they're the Yankees. And they go and they spend big gobs of money on a couple of players, and everyone in Cincinnati gets irrationally excited. And then everyone in Pittsburgh and other places looks, but especially in Pittsburgh, look at the Reds. Look how they care. What have the Reds won? What if the Reds won? Actually, if you go back over the last 10 years, what if the Reds won compared to the Pirates? And that was with the Pirates being run by Neil Huntington. They aren't anybody's role model. Spending to win the talk shows for the day isn't how you win anything in baseball. It just isn't. Not with the imbalanced economics that are in place. It's an unfair system. You have to play it and fight it as if it's an unfair system. You have to be trying to game that system to an extent. Pile up those prospects. See where they stand after 2021, to answer your question directly, Adam. But not in Pittsburgh necessarily. You do want to see some things in Pittsburgh. You want to make sure that the level of instruction in particular is where it needs to be because you can't afford to have Brian Reynolds uh, Kevin Newman, Kebrian Hayes, the players like that who might be Mitch Keller is another one. That might be the four that I was really aiming for that'll be around the long term. You can't afford to have them taking backward steps the way we just saw with Reynolds and Newman. Those are the kinds of things that matter in Pittsburgh in 2021. The rest of it, the rest of it, won't be evident here, my friend. It's going to be in Indianapolis and Altoona or Greensboro or Bradenton, where the, the fourth affiliate is. Uh, it's going to be in what they do in the draft. It's going to be how they develop someone like a Blake Cedarland uh, if he cracks the roster in Pittsburgh with that 100-mile-an-hour fastball. That, that's what you need to see. 
if you see him continuing to make the kind of moves that I described in the opening segment today, you will know that you have your GM. That's my answer to you. Thanks so much for that. That's a really, really good question. And to everyone for listening to today's show and all week. Your front door, your car, your gym locker, your gun. Safety is a habit. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure. Visit projectchildsafe.org.